0: I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, open with me to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. As we continue our... Easter series Mark chapter 15 this morning we'll be looking at uh, verses 1 through 15 Mark chapter 15 verses 1 through 15 and if you don't have a Bible of your own you can grab one of the pew Bibles there and turn to page 800 in the pew Bible it's page 800 in the pew Bible you know an important question to ask and uh, a lot of people ask this question non-believers especially ask this question If Jesus was so good, if he was innocent, then why was he crucified? Why was Jesus crucified? Why did he have to die? And Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 15, actually answers that very question. It aims to answer that very question. It shows us why Christ died on the cross. Now, just kind of remember where we've been as we've been working through the Gospel of Mark and his passion narrative. Uh, We've seen Jesus as a a perfect example. Uh, Mark, one of his great themes in the whole book is that of discipleship. And Mark consistently paints Jesus as our perfect example. We're to follow Jesus' example as disciples. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Disciples of Christ, we follow him. But Mark shows him as the perfect example, and so he showed us that Jesus exemplifies how to persevere under pressure uh, by watching, that is, being aware of our own weaknesses and the temptations and trials that will come our way, and by praying, praying to God to help us through those trials and tribulations, and then, of course, surrendering to God's will, and so Jesus exemplified that for us. And then in, in Mark 14:53 uh, through72, Jesus showed us how to stand firm in our faith by relying on God, having that divine dependence, relying on God's strength to get us through every adversity. Well today, Mark shows us that Jesus is even more than a great example. He's more than a perfect example. He is actually a perfect substitute. Jesus is the perfect substitute. And that's what we see here in this little narrative about Jesus' trial before Pilate this morning. So now last time, you remember, when we were looking at Jesus, Jesus was on trial before the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin brought Jesus in. They arrested him. And they brought him in, and they were looking for some accusation against him. Of course, they they finally concluded that he was guilty of blasphemy because he proclaimed to be the Messiah, the Christ, and the very Son of God. Now, the only problem with that was that uh, it was only blasphemy if it wasn't true. But Jesus was telling the truth, so it wasn't blasphemy. But uh, in their eyes, he had committed blasphemy. But the problem with that is that uh, blasphemy was not, a, a, you know, a, it wasn't worthy of death in the eyes of the Romans. It wasn't a, a death penalty. And, and so now they've got to come up with something else as they bring him to Pilate, to the one authority that has the authority to put Jesus to death. See, Sanhedrin couldn't put anybody to death. Uh, they couldn't crucify anyone. They did not have that authority. So now they've got to bring him to Pilate. And they've got to make their case before Pilate to see if, if Rome will actually put Jesus to death. So Mark chapter 15 verses 1 through 15 is Jesus' trial before Pilate. So as, if you found your place there, if you will stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as we read this account of Jesus' trial before Pilate. Now hear the word of the Lord and as soon as it was morning the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council that's the whole council of the Sanhedrin and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate and Pilate asked asked him are you the king of the Jews and he answered him you have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things, and Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer. So Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he, had, as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to this text this morning, our hearts are humbled. As Jesus stood trial as an innocent man, yet the masses cried out, crucify, crucify, crucify. So Jesus, the innocent Lamb of God, was crucified instead of the guilty man, Barabbas. Oh, Father, open our eyes to see the the message that you have in store for us here in this text. Help us to see how Jesus, the innocent, gave his life for the guilty. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. As we begin to to walk through this narrative account of Jesus' trial before Pilate, Mark shows us a few things. He clarifies some things for us. And first of all, Mark clarifies for us Jesus' innocence. He clarifies Jesus' innocence. That's the first thing he pronounces to us here in this first paragraph of chapter 15. Notice he, he focuses in on Jesus' innocence. Now, he is accused, of course, again, of blasphemy, right? That's, the, what the, that's what the Sanhedrin found against him. But they can't come to Pilate with blasphemy because Pilate could care less about Uh, a man committing a sin against the the jewish religion right so so he he doesn't care about the charge of blasphemy so what do they do well they they come to him with some other trumped up charges and they actually accuse him of being an, an insurrectionist they accuse him of being a rebel of one who has tried to usurp the Roman authority, tried to displace Caesar and cause a rebellion. And we see that in Pilate's question, don't we? I mean, as the scribes and the elders and the chief priests, as they bring him to Pilate, uh, it doesn't say this. Mark is kind of a... a compact narrative here but but pilate asked him are you the king of the jews which which indicates that the charge against him was that he was trying to make himself king of the jews right he's trying to uh, elevate himself to the position of king he's trying to usurp caesar and so he is charged with insurrection because uh, uh, insurrection is a it's it's a the the it carries the death sentence, right? It's a capital offense. It carries the death, death sentence. And, and so they can, they can use that and, and have him crucified. And that's their whole purpose, right? They want him dead. They want him dead from the very beginning. Back there in, in chapter 14, we, we, Mark introduced us to the fact that they were looking for a way to kill Jesus. He was interfering with their business, interfering with their way of life, and they wanted him dead. And so they'll do anything and everything possible to see Jesus crucified. Crucified. And so they bring the charge of insurrection to Pilate. He is an insurrectionist. He is a rebel. He is trying to usurp Caesar. And so Pilate asks him the question, are you the king of the Jews? Are you truly the king of the Jews? Is that what you're trying to do here? Are you trying to, to bring a rebellion? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, well, you have said so. Now what is he saying there? The, literally, the... The Greek says, you say, that's it, you say. And uh, so many translations will translate it, you have said so, or something to that effect. And and basically what Jesus is saying, yes, yes, I am king of the Jews, but not in the way you think. Not quite the way you think, not quite the way that the chief priests and the elders and the scribes are kind of uh, presenting this. John gives us a little more detail here and so John chapter 18 verse 36 tells us that Jesus answered Pilate said my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews but my kingdom is not from the world and so Jesus says yes I am king of the Jews, but I'm not here to usurp uh, Caesar. I'm not here to, to establish my kingdom right here, right now in this place. That's not my purpose. I've got another purpose, a purpose that you don't understand. But yes, I am king of the Jews. I am king. But my kingdom's not of this world. My king's of another world. My, king, my kingdom is of a world still yet to come. So Jesus confesses, yes, I am king of the Jews. But uh, Pilate sees, he kind of sees through all of this. He understands why the elders and the chief priests have brought him to Jesus. They're jealous. They envy Jesus because Jesus is the new popular thing, right? People are following Jesus because they've seen the signs that he has done. His teaching is amazing and so he has this group of people following him and, and people are questioning what the, the scribes and the chief priests and the elders are, are teaching and saying and so they're jealous of Jesus, they envy him and his, his disciples and so they want him dead and Pilate understands this. He understands this. And so they just continue to bring accusation after accusation after accusation against Jesus. They want him dead. So Pilate asked Jesus, Well, have you nothing to say? Have you nothing to say? Dude, don't you hear all the charges that they are bringing up against you? Have you no defense? Will you not defend yourself? Yet Jesus was silent. And that absolutely amazed Pilate. That Jesus would remain silent in the face of so many accusations. And and doesn't it amaze us as well? Because if if someone accuses you of something that you didn't do, what's your response? Is your response silence? Most likely not. I know it wouldn't be my response. Right? If you accuse me of something that I know I didn't do, I'm whoa, wait a minute. Uh Uh-uh, no, that's not me. I did not do that, and here's why. Uh, I was here and not there. I, I would defend myself through and through. I mean, I would lay down a heavy defense. I would get very defensive if you started accusing me of something that I hadn't done. In fact, most of the time, even if we're accused of something that we have done, we get defensive. And we push back and we try to defend ourselves. Oh, oh, but you don't understand uh, that this was the case and, and this is why I did what I did, right? We, we defend ourselves. That's our natural inclination. We put up the defense no matter what. Whether it's true or not, we're going to defend ourselves. But Jesus was silent. He didn't need to defend himself. The Father had defended him throughout his life. The Father testified to the fact of who Jesus was. Through the very miracles that Jesus produced in his life. How many times did people say, well, who could do what Jesus did if he were not from God? He needed to make no defense. And so Jesus... Jesus fulfilling prophecy remained silent. And indeed, that's exactly what he was doing. Jesus was fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 and he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth his mouth jesus was the innocent lamb of god although many charges were brought against him he bears no guilt whatsoever he is innocent now as mark continues his narrative here as he goes on he introduces a guy by the name of brabus and when it comes to Barabbas, Mark clarifies Barabbas' guilt. We see here Barabbas' guilt. He is a guilty man. Notice that what it says here. now at the feast, he that is Pilate, used to release for them one, uh, one prisoner for whom they asked. So this was just a common occurrence. And so Pilate, as he, they would celebrate the, peace, uh, the feast of the Passover, uh, he, he, he was trying to build good relations with them. History tells us he didn't always have very good relations with the Jewish folks. And so apparently he, he's doing things to try to kind of get in with them and, and appease them and, and be nice with them so that he can keep his position in, in the Roman government. And so he, he allowed this. He, he would release one prisoner to them, most likely, uh, most often probably a, a political uh, offender, right? Someone who is in there for political things. And, and so he would release for them one prisoner at the feast just to kind of make nice with the Jewish people. And so that's what he aims to do here. And among the rebels in prison... That is an insurrectionist, right? Someone who is going against the Roman government. Someone who is fighting against the Roman government, wanting to usurp the the Roman government. Among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. There was a man called Barabbas. Barabbas is a guilty man. Notice here what the, the charges against Barabbas are. Barabbas was an insurrectionist. He was a rebel. He was the very thing that Jesus is being condemned of. He is one who, is, who has been a, a rebel against the Roman government. The definition of an insurrection is an organized opposition to authority in which one faction tries to wrest control from another so uh, they had organized this rebellion and they tried to to raise up the other jews the other hebrews and, and rebel against the roman government to try to overthrow the roman government they were tired of that oppression of the romans and so they were rebelling against rome and so he was a guilty insurrectionist but not only that He was also condemned to murder. And so, as they raised up this rebellion against Rome, things got out of hand. And Barabbas did the most horrible thing imaginable. He murdered someone in the midst of their rebellion. There's no question about Barabbas' guilt. He is a convicted man, he is guilty. He is guilty. He is guilty of rebellion. He is guilty of murder. Barabbas is guilty. Barabbas was a condemned insurrectionist, a murderer. And many historians believe that the other two people crucified with Jesus was in the clan, right? They were part of Barabbas' group. So Barabbas was supposed to die with them. All three were supposed to die that day because they were guilty. Barabbas was guilty. He was guilty of rebellion. He was guilty of murder. He deserved death. In any court, he would have deserved death. He was a guilty man. He was a guilty man. Deserving of the punishment of crucifixion, so so Pilate. Pilate devises a little plan here. We've already seen Jesus is innocent. We know Barabbas is guilty, and Pilate he wants to make an exchange. And so as we continue down in the narrative, we see Pilate's exchange. He wants to make an exchange. And he's kind of working this because he thinks uh, he doesn't really want to crucify Jesus. Other gospel accounts make it clear that really he doesn't want to have anything to do with crucifying Jesus. His wife even comes in to him at one point and says, have nothing to do with this innocent man don't don't do it right don't do it Pilate. and so pilot wants to get out of this he, he's he has these leaders coming to him we want him dead we want him gone we don't want him to be crucified but he has this whole thing where where he he lets one prisoner go and and uh, every year so he said oh, i got the solution these guys, they just want him dead because they're jealous. But I've got a solution. I've got Barabbas here. I mean, he is the worst of the worst. He is an evil man. He is guilty of rebellion and murder. I mean, the Jews, I mean, right? They, they love life and, and, and they would kill a murderer. It's in their law. And so he says, okay, I release to you one man every year. So so, so, Jews, who, who would you like? You want Barabbas, the, re, the rebel and murderer? Or Jesus, the king of the Jews? He, he wants to make this exchange. He, he thinks he's got it going on. He thinks oh, this is the key, right? I can do this. And, and surely they would prefer me crucify Barabbas, the murderer, instead of jesus who's really done nothing wrong and so pilate he comes in and he tries to 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 make this exchange but the chief priests have gone in and they've kind of messed with the crowd So when Pilate says, do you want me to release for you? Do you, want me to, do you want me to pardon for you? Barabbas, the murderer, or Jesus, the king of the Jews, the crowd cries out, crucify Jesus. Give us Barabbas. Give us the murderer. Crucify the innocent one. So Pilate was a very political man. He's already had difficult difficulties with the Jews. They've already raised a fuss with him in Rome. And so his position was already on shaky ground, so he couldn't he, he couldn't bear the thought of, of making that even worse. He didn't want them running to Rome and saying, hey, Pilate, let go someone who is trying to be king. One gospel even says that the crowd cried out, anyone, right, anyone who would let Jesus go is not a friend of Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. Pilate, if you let Jesus go, you're no friend of Caesar. And so, Pilate being the political man, not wanting to cause a stir, not wanting to put his position in the Roman government in jeopardy, he pardons the guilty, and he condemns the innocent. Innocent Jesus was crucified in place of guilty Barabbas. But you know, as Mark reports Pilate's exchange, he actually reveals something far greater. We know there's something greater going on here as all of this is unfolding, there's, there's something greater at play. While Mark reports the exchange of guilty Barabbas for innocent Jesus, he actually reveals the great exchange. We see here the great exchange. Because just as Jesus was exchanged for Barabbas, On Calvary's cross, innocent Jesus was actually exchanged for guilty us. You see, we have to understand our own guilt. We are guilty before a holy God. Romans chapter 3 makes this absolutely clear. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 18 Notice what Paul says there. What then, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known There's no fear of God before their eyes. You see, that's our condition. We are guilty. We are guilty insurrectionists. By our very nature, we, like our parents before us, all the way back to Adam and Eve who organized the first rebellion against God when, when Satan came and says, if you'll just eat of the fruit, you'll be like God. And they took the fruit because they wanted to be like God. They wanted to throw God off of His throne and they wanted to take God's position as sovereign. And we just like Adam and Eve, we want to take God off of his throne. We don't want God to rule over us. We want to rule over us. We know better than God. So God, get out of my life. Get away from me. I don't need you. I don't want you. I can do, I want to do it my way. Our whole theme is that old, that old song, right? I did it my way. That's our song. That's the anthem of mankind. We want to overthrow God. We want to sit on His throne. We want to rule and reign over ourselves. We don't want God. And if it were not for God's grace in holding us back, we would run to kill other people who get in our way. Make no... Under- make- don't don't misunderstand that, right? Like if, if, if don't don't think oh I'd never kill anybody. Oh yeah, you would. If God hadn't put the fear of government in you, if he hadn't worked in your life the way he worked in your life, you would run to kill someone who got in your way. Just like the rest of the world would. We are evil to the core. We are guilty. We are guilty. We are guilty. We deserve eternal death because of our sin. We deserve the judgment of God upon us because of our rebellion against the Holy God. We're guilty. But on Calvary's cross, innocent Jesus took our place. He took our place. We deserve the the penalty. We deserve death. But Jesus went to Calvary's cross and on Calvary's cross He received the full penalty for our sin in our place. Scripture tells us God made Him, Jesus, to be sin. Who knew no sin, He never did anything wrong. He was innocent. He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. He exchanged places with us on Calvary's cross. He took our punishment and our place. So that by God's grace through faith in Jesus, we can receive his positive righteousness. On the cross, innocent Jesus was crucified in place of guilty us. Dear friend, he took your place, he took my place. Christ's righteousness was exchanged for our guilt, our sin. And our guilt was exchanged for His righteousness. Oh dear friend, you are guilty. Make no mistake about it. You are guilty of sin. You're guilty of rebellion of the worst kind. You are guilty of rebellion against our Creator. And you deserve eternal death. Innocent Jesus was pure and holy. He did everything according to the Father's will. And He deserved not death. But innocent Jesus willingly died on the cross in your place and in my place so that we might have life in Him And Christ willingly gives you His righteousness, His obedience. Today, Christians rejoice. That's what we're called to do. We're called to rejoice in Christ. Praise Him for His exchange. For becoming the great exchange for taking our sin on Calvary's cross. Praise Him. Honor Him. Glorify Him today and every day of your life. Live for Him because of what He did for you. But you know, there's some in here today that you're still living in sin. And you're still living in your rebellion. But I want you to know today that Jesus died for you. He paid the penalty for your sin in your place. And you can receive the gift of His salvation. You can receive His righteousness if you will only turn away from your sin, turn away from your rebellion, and surrender to Christ. Trust in Him. And He will save you. Will you trust in Him today? Will you surrender to Him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for the great exchange. Just as innocent Jesus was exchanged for guilty Barabbas, Lord, that whole episode, that whole uh, thing reflects what you did for us. Because on Calvary's cross, innocent Jesus exchanged places with guilty us. Every one of us. Oh Lord, let that sink in. Let us understand the depths of what Christ did for us. And let us rejoice in Jesus. And Father, I know there's some today who've never trusted in Christ. They're still trying to do it on their own. They're still living in rebellion. Doing it their way. Oh Lord, let them see their need. Let them feel their guilt. And let them turn to Jesus. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.